Uh, we continue our series today called We Promise, and it's just a reflection on the membership vows that we make when we become United Methodist, or those that we're considering if we're thinking about becoming United Methodist. And today we're going to focus on uh, faithfully, our commitment to faithfully support the church with our gifts, with our gifts. Speaking of gifts, have you noticed that it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas? I mean, if you go into any store now, they've already got the Christmas decorations. So I've asked the Author Guild to take all this stuff down, and we'll just put up Christmas next week, right? Well, no, no, no. We won't rush it here at the church, even though everybody else is rushing it. But uh, it's the season of gift-giving. I've already heard people talking about that they've started buying presents for people. And it got me to thinking, have you ever missed the mark on a gift? Have you ever given a gift and then just by the way the person opened it, you, you knew right off the bat that you, you failed. You did not get the right thing. I know of a man who, a brand new newlywed, the first thing that he bought his wife was a burial plot. He was trying to communicate till death do us part and I'm prepared for everything and she made him taste all the food for the next six months before she would eat. I bet you've missed the mark on a gift before. And I bet you, you've known when you missed the mark when you gave a gift. But by the same token, I bet you've gotten it right every once in a while too. I bet you've given a gift, and in the same way that you knew when you'd given a bad gift, you knew that you'd given a great gift. You knew by the expression on their face, you knew by the embrace that followed, the words of affirmation and praise, you knew when you gave a great gift. And so I got to thinking, how do you, or what is the perfect gift for the person you love? What is the perfect gift for the person you love the most? And what is a good gift to give the person who loves you the most? What is a good gift to give God? Because God loves you more than anyone else could possibly love you. So what is a good gift that you could give that God who loves you so much? Well, the answer to that question, interestingly enough, was answered in the Scripture lesson this morning. You probably, if you've been in the church for any length of time in your life, are aware of the story of Jacob and Esau, but there may be those of us here this morning that are not as familiar with that story. Uh, Jacob had a brother, a twin brother named Esau, and Esau was born first. And the scripture says that when Jacob came out of the womb right after Esau, that Jacob was actually clutching the heel of his brother Esau. And the scripture says that as Jacob and Esau grew, so did the tension between them grew. 
and, and their relationship became very adversarial because Jacob was doing things to try to trick and to try to deceive and to try to cheat the other members of his family. And it got so bad between Jacob and Esau that Esau decided that if I get my hands on my brother Jacob, I'm going to kill him. And when you're afraid for your life, when you're fearful for your life, a lot of times you just take off running. And that's exactly what Jacob did. Jacob was afraid because Esau said, if I get my hands on him, I'm going to kill him. And so Jacob takes off running. And it's while he's running that we encounter him in the Scripture this morning. And no doubt, after he's deceived and after he's tricked and after he's done all of these things to his brother and to his family, Jacob's probably feeling alone. Jacob's probably feeling afraid. Jacob's probably not expecting to live a long and fruitful life because he's almost certain that Esau is going to find him. And when he does find him, he's going to kill him. And it's while he's on the run, and it's while he's afraid, and it's while he's alone that he stops to rest. And he uses a stone as a pillow. And when he falls asleep, he has a dream. And in this dream, the voice of God speaks to Jacob. And this is what he said. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land on which you lie... I will give to you and give to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south and all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offering. And know that I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. And then it says that Jacob woke up and this guy that was afraid and this guy that was alone, this guy that had deceived, this guy that had tricked, this guy that had cheated, looked up and said, wow, I didn't deserve that dream. I didn't deserve that promise made in the dream, surely the Lord is in this place. And then Jacob goes on to say, this stone that I have set up in a pillar will now be God's house. And of all that God has given me, Surely I will give a tenth. So God promised Jacob things that he didn't deserve. Things that he probably shouldn't have received. Things that he hadn't earned. And when Jacob woke up from that dream, he's like, wow, I've never known that kind of love. What do I give to the God who loves me that much. And Jacob said, I will give a tenth. 
Now, Jacob didn't pull this number out of thin air. In fact, the first time in Scripture that we have evidence that God gave uh, a, a command or that there was a movement or a conviction to give, it was Jacob's grandparents, Abraham and Sarah. And all throughout Scripture, we see evidence that the tenth is the appropriate gift, the right gift, a good gift to give to God in response to what God has given us. Now, I think that God created us, that God wired in our DNA uh, this desire to give. But there are at least two voices out in the world today that really sort of threaten this, this way that we were designed that are at war against this impulse. And those two voices are fear and pleasure. Fear and pleasure. The first thing that kind of gets us antsy and makes us wonder whether or not we could really give back to God in response to all that God has given for us is just simply fear. Well, what if I run out of money? What if I can't pay my bills? What if I can't meet my needs? And I don't know what I'd do if, if, if that happened. And, and so that fear begins to grip us and, and we begin to, to, to war against that designed impulse, I think, that God created in us to give. And then the other voice that I think really wars against that impulse to give is just the voice of pleasure. All you got to do is turn on the TV and you're reminded or you're told or you're trying to be, they try to convince you that you would be happier, that life would be better if you drove this particular automobile or if you bought this particular brand of clothing or makeup or merchandise. And we have bought into that as a culture hook, line, and sinker. And we want the latest gadgets and the latest uh, toys because we think that by getting those things that somehow life would be better. And so those two voices, the voices of fear and pleasure, are always warring against I, what I believe is this innate sense that God put in us to give. Well, I thought about how could I communicate this to you this morning in a way that might drive the, the point home. And I saw this several years ago in a sermon by Adam Hamilton, and I asked around to make sure that none of you all had ever seen this, because I can't believe this is such a good illustration that you haven't seen it before, and some of you might. But I want you to, um, to look at your wealth uh, like these apples. Ten apples. Now, according to the biblical mandate to tithe, that would mean that nine of the apples are your apples. And one of the apples is God's apple. And so you've got nine apples here, and you could say, well, you know, I'm glad I have this apple because this could help me buy clothing, and this apple could help me buy food, and 
this apple could help me buy some shelter, and then, of course, retirement's coming, and so I can take this apple and put it there for retirement. Uh, this apple I could use for vacation, and this apple I could use for Ole Miss season tickets, and, and this apple I could use for therapy because I'm an Ole Miss season ticket holder. And this apple could be for my family, you know, just to do nice things for my family. And, and, and this apple, uh, you know, could be for an emergency fund. And so those are those nine apples. They could represent different things to you than they do for me. But you get nine apples out of every ten apple. You get to do that. But here's what happens in our lives. Because of that voice of fear, and because of that voice that says, seek all the pleasures of this world, typically we reach a point where nine apples aren't good enough anymore. The nine apples that we have just aren't good enough. So how can I do everything that I want to do? I've already got these nine apples assigned to something else. How could I continue to do the things that I want and I need to do? You know what? God won't mind if I just take a little bit of this apple. You know, there's a trip that I want to take. Surely God won't mind. It's just a little bit, God. I mean, there's plenty here left for you. Oh, wow. Christmas presents that I didn't expect to buy. You know, somebody bought you a gift and you didn't expect to buy them one, but now you feel like you have to buy them a gift. All the nine apples were taken, but God, just this one time, I won't, I won't tell anybody, but I mean, let me just, one, just, I won't have to buy a gift for them every year, God. I'll just buy it this one time. Oh, wow, stock market took a hit. I'm worried about my retirement. It's coming up in a few days, a few weeks, a few months. God, certainly you understand. You would want me to be happy in retirement, right? So I'll I'll do a good job. I promise, God. mm, You know, and have you ever had a medical emergency? Have you ever had a medical emergency and you, you just didn't respond? You weren't prepared for it? It happened? Yeah, God, surely you understand that, you know, sometimes you just got to gotta suck it up. You just got to do that. And, you know, the Steelers are playing well right now, and they might make the Super Bowl. The Titans won't. Don't, you heard it here first, but... I'm a Steeler fan. If they get to the Super Bowl again, I want to go. I might not live to see it again, you know. And God, you won't mind. And pretty soon, you find one reason after another to do whatever you want. And then, 
what ends up happening is you say, all right, here you go, God. This is what I'm going to give to you. Thank you for all the ways that you love me, Lord. Thank you for all the blessings that you've given me. I believe that God created us to give. And as only God could do, the beautiful thing about it when we give to God is that God really doesn't need the money. God could do whatever God wants to do whenever God wants to do it. God wants us to give because of what it does to us. And when we give, God just doesn't put it on a shelf and say, well, thanks for showing me how much you love me. That was a test and you passed it well. Now, when we give, God takes what we give and God uses it to bless church and in our community and in our world. I want to suggest to you that when you give to God that you make sure that you give that first apple out of the ten to God. Because when you give that apple to God, it'll be gone and you won't be tempted to spend it. It won't even be there anymore. And you'll realize that you've still got 90% of your apples left. And if you really wanted to make it work, you really can make it work. You can live off 90%. And 10% is not too much to show God how grateful we are for His undeserved, unmerited, and unearned love and grace. It's not easy to do. It took me several years before I could honestly say that I was tithing my income. But it is a decision that you have to make. You have to say, I'm going to do it. And it may be I'm going to start to do it. And I may not be able to get there this year or next year, but I'm making a conscious and declarative decision to give it to God. And here's what I'd like to tell you. Here's my deal with you. If everybody in the church will tithe, I'll never preach another stewardship sermon again. If everybody in the church gave 10%, You'd never get another pledge card in the mail. That's my personal guarantee and promise to you. If everybody in this church would give 10%, when we had conversations about our budget, it would be about how we deploy this wonderful abundance that God has entrusted to us instead of how do we cut something to make ends meet.
I want to invite you to consider your giving. It's a commitment that you made to the church when you became a member of the church. Even if you're not a member of this church, there is a sense in which God uh, seeks us to give as a response to what God has given to us. And make no mistake about it, I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm not trying to make you or me feel bad about what we give. I'm truly grateful for every gift that is given to God through the ministry of St. Mark's United Methodist Church. But I believe that giving is a spiritual issue. And I believe that what we give to God reflects what we think about God. And what we think about God has done, is doing, and will do in each of our lives. And because I believe it's a spiritual issue, and every other spiritual issue, you'd want me to preach about it. You'd want me to speak to you about it. You'd want me to challenge you. You'd want me to confront you if somehow that I believe that you or I were outside of the will of God. And so... I stand before you unashamedly today inviting you to do the same as it relates to your giving. Does it accurately reflect what God has done in your life? Tomorrow or the next day you'll be getting a a letter in the mail from the church. It will be an invitation for you to consider your giving for 2019. My hope and my prayer is that uh, you will um, prayerfully and thoughtfully discern how your gift reflects what you think about God and what you think about what God has done in your life. There may be many of us here this morning that can't give a whole apple yet to God, but we can start by giving a part. I think that would please God to no end, to know that I can't do it all now, God. I've got a lot of bills out here, a lot of things I need to work on, but I'm going to work towards giving you that one apple. And there may be some of us here today that the Lord has been so good to us, we could give more than one apple to God. And that would honor God too. But I just want you to think about it, pray about it, and after hearing the voice of God, respond in the way that God would desire give out of response to what God has given you.